Welcome to the latest edition of AW Weekly. I am, of course, your host, Miss Dynamite herself, Stephanie Cheese. And I am so excited because we have so, so much to talk about today. It has been an incredible week for AEW fans the past couple of days. The news has been endless. It looks like there's some really exciting stuff on the horizon and not just on the horizon. There's really, really exciting stuff happening now that I can't wait to talk to you all about. But how is everybody doing? I am doing very good. It has been extremely good weather here in the UK. So that has made me very happy. I've been doing a lot of sunbathing. I'm going to a wedding tomorrow. Things are good. So I'm ready to spread and share the joy here. Thank you for supporting this podcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on Apple because I'm just a new baby podcast and I need to be fed those Apple five-star reviews so that I can grow. And of course, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Stephanie MTS and on Instagram at Stephanie MTS. But enough about me, enough about plugs, enough about anything that's not the huge news in wrestling because you know we usually go through dynamite segment by segment on the show and we'll be doing that get your hot takes ready but i think the first thing everyone wants to talk about is the news that daniel bryan and cm punk could be on their way to aw daniel bryan looks like a definite yes 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 the yes movement is moving to aew what do we all think about that for me it's 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 really crazy news it's hard to even process what this company could be like if they have Daniel Bryan and CM Punk in on the roster because AW of course is already so amazing it's the best show on television uh Dynamite it's the absolute best wrestling promotion they have the best roster of talent <clears throat> they have the best um new up-and-coming talent that are being well utilized your jungle boys your darby allens your mjfs your sammy Guevara's, your people like that but if you adding cm punk and daniel bryan to the mix it's just i think it's going to make aw blow up even bigger than it is and be as big as it should be and i think it's going to be a real turning point for the wrestling business i don't know what the the competitor the other side can do if AEW gets Daniel Bryan and CM Punk, especially if they're going to be actual, you know, working members of the roster that are on TV every week or so. That's going to be like, because, you know, WWE, of course, they can bring back Dwayne, they can bring back Brock Lesnar, but they're never going to do anything close to a full schedule. So it that's just to me, like the way we have John Cena right now, John Cena came back at Money in the Bank, and that's just such a quick fix band-aid moment for WWE it's not something that you know the arrival of John Cena or for example if it happened the arrival of Dwayne Johnson it's not something that I see turning around the kind of bad booking um, of the company and the how bad Raw is as a TV show or, or whatever it's just like a quick fix of turning in tuning in and saying like here's John Cena here's Dwayne Johnson but yeah as um we have said part-timers and short-term working yeah uh hello to bills mafia channel member how are you doing man thank you for joining me but yeah cm punk and daniel bryan it opens doors to so many dream matches and i think that when it comes to daniel bryan he's someone that i've, I've probably been a little bit hard on recently because of some of the things he was saying like a couple of months ago he's doing these interviews saying i want to work this person in japan um i want to work this person in mexico and it's stuff that we've heard before from daniel bryan and he has never left and now that if he's actually if he done it and signed with aw then that's amazing because you, there's only so many times for me, he just started feeling like the, the boy who cried wolf, the boy who cried, I'm going to do these matches, and then took the comfortable op option. And if he if he turns up in AEW, it's going to be amazing. I think that he is going to get the opportunity to get everything that he should have, always from WWE. I know I did a tweet this week um, basically saying, you know, if Daniel Bryan 
is finally going to be somewhere where he's appreciated. That's great. And I know some people were like, what you think? You think Daniel Bryan wasn't appreciated by WWE? Yeah, I do think Daniel Bryan wasn't appreciated by WWE. Like, I don't know what, how to even, if, if you're not aware of that, I don't know how I can best explain it because I get to the point where I feel like I'm, speaking a different language or something you know this this is a guy who had just he's not just a great wrestler and he's not just someone that he connected so well with the fans he had such a great momentum and they they were dragged into that Wrestlemania match that he had with Batista and Randy Orton they were dragged into that whole program kicking and screaming they never wanted the the yes movement to take off he wasn't the guy he wasn't the guy they wanted and when they put the belt on him, when they did what the fans wanted him to do, he wasn't even treated like a great champion. He it, it, then, you know, he he obviously had the injury and he was away for a long time. But even since then, I haven't. They they never capitalized on what Daniel Bryan had. So no, I don't think that WWE ever appreciated Daniel Bryan. I think that they were the, they did not want him. They did not want him to be their guy. Like. And it's fair enough if you see someone who you think, you know, that's that's not the guy in the beginning. But when you see them get so much fan support and so much fan momentum and add on to that, that they're actually freaking good. You know, it's not as if he, he was he's a brilliant wrestler. It's, you know, it's not as if he sucks. He's he was brilliant and he still he still could be. And I, I can, I'm reading this book at the minute that's um, about a lot of bands and. <laughs> There's so many points where there's a band that has just been signed by a record company and some executive is like, I freaking hate this band and I want to drop them. And you know what? The, the band releases a record and if it does really well, they're like, oh, we were wrong. Put all the money behind them, you know, put the machine behind them. And that's good business. And Daniel Bryan, they never put that behind them. No matter how many yes t-shirts they made, that's not what it's about. They never actually put the booking behind him to make him the star that he should have been and that is my Daniel Bryan rant CM Punk same thing they never ever properly capitalized on CM Punk when, when it comes to CM Punk I did a, a joke tweet saying that the first person he should attack in AEW is Darby because Darby is um kind of the successor of CM Punk really within wrestling and the alternative community but because Tony Khan is actually a smart businessman and a good booker he allows Darby to be himself and he allows Darby to fulfill the potential that he can and that never happened for CM Punk. CM Punk was never marketed properly he was never given the correct opportunities and CM Punk he had the balls to walk away and good for him and he stayed away and if he has now decided to come back to wrestling then that's amazing and if he's going to come back to wrestling he has to come back to AEW uh, I, I don't I don't think him going back to WWE is an option I think they're it, it just I, I would have no respect is all I can say there but I really wonder what it is that has made CM Punk want to want to be in wrestling again maybe it was filming that show heels with uh steven amell that gave him the itch to get back in the ring but i want to hear what you guys have to say about daniel bryan and cm punk potentially coming to aw who do you want to see them wrestle because the dream match potential it's mind-blowing actually cm punk and darby allen would be a freaking great match <laughs> like absolutely anyone um I want to see these guys like imagine CM Punk versus like Jungle Boy. You know how different they would be. Let me see. Maddie has a match here. Weird choice, but Brian versus Angelico would be a killer. Um, and then Heel Hydra says Angelico is one of my favorites at Lucha Underground. I think that Daniel Bryan could have a great match with Angelico. Like absolutely, absolutely. Um, Bills Mafia says still a little bit more excited for Brian though. Love um both. I can see that. It's hard when you're trying to gauge the excitement levels because Daniel Bryan, we have seen wrestle recently, so we know what he can do. And you can say like, oh, I'm so excited to see Daniel Bryan because of, of great matches that he's had in WWE. Because don't get me wrong, no matter how much they buried this guy and how everything around him sucked, he's, he always had good matches. He even managed to drag a good match out of Fiend, which is uh, an achievement in his, in itself. He should have you know, he should have gotten an award for that alone. But um. Yeah, so with Daniel Bryan, it's like the excitement is we know how good he is and we know what he can do. It's just him getting to do it 
with other guys, him getting to wrestle other guys. And with Punk, it's been so long. It's like, what is Punk like as a wrestler now? Like, how has he changed? Is he is he going to be as good as he was? How is Punk going to be as a promo? It's all like so unknown. Um, hello, Matthew. Matthew Makovsky says, more excited for Brian in terms of dream matches, but still hella excited for Punk because it's been seven years. Absolutely. Uh, Pete Davis, Angelico is underrated and his submission style would go well with Brian. Brian having a great match with him could help elevate Angelico. Absolutely. So many guys will get elevated just by being in the ring opposite a Daniel Bryan or um, a CM Punk. Um, let me see. Hale Hydra says, I put Punk in the back of my mind, but I know the moment I see him again, I will pop. Yep, absolutely. Bills Mafia, Brian succeeded in spite of WWE. They never had big plans for him. Plus, um, Vince, Vince McMahon has always sucked at booking faces. Uh, he has sucked at booking faces on anyone for a long, long time. Um, Peter... David says, I'm excited, bro. Brian for the matches, excited for Punk for the promo with the likes of Kingston, MJF, even Cody Mox. I would love to see MJF and Punk go at it. I think they'd be so good. They're two such opposite guys character-wise. Um, I think they'd be awesome. Oh, thank you, Matthew Makovsky, so much for sending this super chat um, because he has to go. Unfortunately, I can't say. See you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for that, Matthew. Um, always appreciate your support. Um, Hale Hydra says, for some reason, I want to see Brian go up against Max Caster just to see what kind of disc Caster will come up with. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, the... There's Cisanash says Babyface Brian versus Heel MJF will have killer vibes, promos, and matches. Yes, um, uh, I think Brian and MJF would be a really, really, really another good one as well. Um, Wasabi King says if Punk comes back, I'd love to see if he can if he can elevate others, which did not happen for him. Yeah, it would be really good to see um, Punk kind of get the opportunity to give back and yes, do for others what what wasn't done for him. Um, it's something like. I, you know, I, I, I never thought that WWE treated uh, Jericho properly, especially in uh, when he first came to WWE and then him just being around when Triple H was being the ultimate, like, worst version of Reign of Terror Triple H. Um, but now when you see where Jericho's career is at now and his, his, the period of his career that we're in right now is one of the greatest periods of his career ever and maybe when this run in aw ends um as in the in-ring rent ends because i don't think he'll ever leave the company but, you know like retires this might be remembered as like the actual greatest period of jericho but one of the things that's so great about him is he is always elevating guys he elevates every single young guy and he does things for other people that that was that wasn't really done for him in, in WWE, and I would hope that Punk will end up being the same kind of wrestler. Peter Davis says Amel with is Stephen Amel is great friends with Cody in particular. Wondering if he got them talking. Yeah, I do wonder that too. Um, I interviewed CM Punk um, a around WrestleMania time, and I actually I'm going to put the audio of that up um, on my channel next week. I feel it's kind of timely, and it did. I really got the inkling that just being in the ring filming that show Heels. And by the way, when Heels starts airing, um, I'm going to do a special um, podcast where I'm going to review each um, episode with my great friend Beno from Grapple. Um, but yeah, I do kind of get the feeling that maybe that was giving him the taste for wrestling again because when I interviewed Punk, he was so, uh, he was a lot more positive uh, and happier to talk about wrestling than I thought he would be. And I just did wonder if, Maybe being part of that TV show really helped him kind of change change his kind of get rid of some of the negative feelings he he had over wrestling, which were all connected to WWE. And if there was ever a time for Punk to come back, the, the time is now because the era of WWE being absolutely in charge of the wrestling scene is is completely over. Like I have to mention as well, another excellent rating for Dynamite this week. Excellent! Like I'm so thrilled to see them pass a million. It's just, it's, it's, it's so, so great. We're we catching up with Law here. Um, with Sammy King, Sammy versus Punk, Battle of the GTS Law. Sammy versus Punk would be so good. Day Park 14, Brian versus Ricky Starks for the FTW title. Brian versus Ricky Starks would be so good. Um, Hale Hydra says, I've always liked heels more since so seeing Brian as a heel or more like American Dragon would be awesome for me. 
if Tony Khan buys the final countdown, I will be so happy. And I know that Daniel Bryan didn't really like using the final countdown as his theme, but I love the final countdown. Of course, I love the final countdown. And I love hearing it with Daniel Bryan. And I'd be so happy if if that music just hits, you know, at, uh, it seems to be like uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium show is where people think he's going to debut. Imagine that song ringing out through that stadium. Oh, my God. Bill's Mafia channel member says, Brian versus Heel Kenny would probably be number one for me, but I'm almost as excited for him up against the young guys like Top Flight and the acclaimed. Also, Lee Johnson. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> Heel Hydra, w or AW needs to do a punk ice cream bar. It's a shout-out to WWE. They absolutely do put him in some, put him on some cups. Um, Oh, Matthew has joined us again with a comment. Final comment, MJF coming out to cult of personality on the Dynamite in Chicago before All Out. Then Punk comes out to you at All Out. Okay, I'm leaving. Bye. Matthew Matthew is the MJF of this show because he always thinks of things that are going to make people um, angry that he wants MJF to do to, like, get heat. Matthew is a heat, a heat machine, as is a MJF. Uh, that is, I don't know if, that is that is such high trolling that I don't know if it might just totally backfire because it'd be like too far, guys, too too far. Um, yeah, Bill's Mafia points out number number one on cable two weeks in a row. Warner's excited; they bloody should be. They they have a great great show. Um, Maddie says I watched Punk's last ROH match today. He bawled his eyes out leaving the ring. So there is that passion that um maybe will come back. I think. Punk's passion for wrestling will absolutely come back, give him some time in AEW. Um, I think it's already back just watching AEW. You know, he has talked about AEW before and like wrestlers that he that he would want to wrestle in that company. And I mean, how could you not be if you if you are a a wrestler and some someone who actually loves wrestling, like for example, I am someone who loves wrestling so so much and has basically dedicated their life to wrestling. And there's no way for me that I couldn't, that I could watch Dynamite and not want to be a part of that. But you take someone like Punk, whose life was even more um, consumed by wrestling and how hard it is to walk away from something that you love so much. But sometimes you do walk away from the thing that you love if being in it and loving it that much is actually breaking your heart because of what's happening. And I think that's what happened to Punk? He loved wrestling so much, but being in that WWE system, they broke him. They they broke his heart, his heart that was full of love for wrestling. And I don't think someone like that can watch Dynamite and how great a show it is, and see how well these guys in AEW are doing and how well people are being used on Dynamite and not want to take that chance again to go back into wrestling now with this company. Mikaf says, I have to leave soon, but I just want to tell Steph, I don't know if we're getting Wardlow Jericho after Nick Effingage. I can't wait to talk about Nick Gage appearing next week. MJF might be signing, sending mercenaries. Sammy G is final labor. <sighs> um, we'll get to that when I get to that. I think I'm still getting my dream match, though. Uh, I really, really do. Um, Hill Hydra says, MJF could also do that with final countdown if he wants to troll Brian and set up a feud. Um, Day Park 14 says, Darby Allen versus Brian Danielson needs to happen in Seattle. Big pop for the hometown, guys. Yes. Oh, that would be so, so, so good. Um, Bill's Mafia, a channel member, says, on the subject of uh, CM Punk wrestling, this is scorn lover, and AEW can build his trust up again. Absolutely. When your heart's been broken, it does take a long time for you to be willing and open to let love back in. And... CM Punk, it's been seven years, and I think he's ready to, to let wrestling back into his heart. But if you have any more comments on CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, dream matches for the two, uh, let me know at the end of the show, and I, I can circle back to this if there's any more to say. So hang on to your, to your further comments on those guys till the end of the show. That way I won't miss them, because we're getting straight into Dynamite. Right now, it kicked off with the first labor of Jericho. MJF joined commentary for the match. We had Chris Jericho coming out to an amazing reaction for Judas. The fans, the great thing about the Judas entrance is it started so long ago. It started just before the pandemic hit at the Jericho Cruise is when everyone started singing along to Judas. And then you had the pandemic and 
we did not get the opportunity to sing Judas, these fans. And, you know, there's always going to be a chance that if you're, that things can just move on or or you could forget or, or whatever. And obviously they used the, the people that they had in Daly's place. They were singing Judas. But now that we're out on the road, everybody wants to sing Judas. And it's great to see that this is still so, so, so over. Um, so yes, Jericho got a great, great, great um, entrance here. Um, and he was against Sean Spears with Telly Blanchard. Of course, the rule for this match, the first labor of Jericho, is that the chairman, Sean Spears, can use a chair, but Chris Jericho can't. So some of the great things that happened in this match, we did have Sean Spears try to use that chair. Jericho knocked it out of his hands. He took him down with a running forearm, and he hit a top rope Frankensteiner. I jumped out of my chair. I nearly spilled my pink WKD while watching this match because it was that exciting. Um, <laughs> uh, we did have Sean Spears smack a chair over Jericho's back. He went to smack him over the head, but Jericho took him down, locked on the walls of Jericho. Spears was fighting to reach the ropes. Jericho brought it back in the center of the ring. Tully Blanchard distracted the official, but Spears was tapping out. Sammy Guevara ran out and he sent Tully away, but Spears grabbed the chair, whacked Jericho with it. He then hit the C4, but Jericho kicked out of the C4. Um, Spears then set up for a chair assisted C4, but Jericho escaped. He hit the Judas effect for the win. I thought this was an excellent opening match. Really, really hot match. I think that it was one of Sean Spears' best outings. It's definitely up there in the top top three uh, Sean Spears matches that I've seen in AEW. I thought they did a really good job. I thought MJF was a very good in commentary, of course. It was really getting over being the heel. But that was knocked. That was not all that happened. Um, I see Abinav says that Jericho shouldn't have kicked out of the C4 and the chair shot killed Spears' finish, made him look so weak. Um, it did not make Sean Spears look good to have the C4 kicked out of. This was the first time the C4 has been kicked out of an AEW. But, you know, it was inevitability that Jericho was going to win this and Spears being the first guy in there to do the first labor. Um, I think that as far we the fans know that Jericho, a tougher opponent than Spears in the booking, in their status in the company. So I would maybe gripe if someone else's finisher was kicked out of, but in the nicest possible way, it was Sean Spears. So I don't think that too many people are worried about how protected um, the how protected Sean Spears' finisher is going to be. Um, Hale Hydra also doesn't think he should have kicked out of the finisher. That should be saved for a pay-per-view. Um, Bills Mafia says, I disagree if anyone deserves to kick out. It's the legend Jericho. <laughs> um, uh, let me see. And then Abnav says, just don't do the spot then. I mean, maybe it was a little much that he, he kicked out of all those things. Maybe he just should have kicked out of the chair shot rather than the finisher um, as well. Um, off topic, but Mikaf says, AW does always hit a home run, but compared to WWE, yeah, AW all day. And to be this, would Tony Khan ever bring a monster here like Cross to lose on his debut? Never. That's why AW rules. Absolutely. What they did to Karrion Cross, and I'm not even a fan of Karrion Cross as a wrestler, what they did to him was freaking ridiculous, no matter how they try and retcon it or say it's part of a storyline. Anyway, I can't get extra I can't get distracted by talking about WWE. I'll just go on an anger rant for the whole show. <laughs> and it's an AEW show, so it's a happy party time, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> um anyway, Jericho wins. First labor com completed. Then MJF comes out and he points out that Sean Spear uh, that Sammy Guevara helped out here, assisted Jericho. He didn't assist Jericho, but he did, you know, make sure that um, that Tully didn't interfere. And he said that next week Jericho will have a no disqualification match. And he said it was against someone violent, someone criminal. And I was, I was at home like Nick Gage, but I didn't believe it could be true. And then he said that it was as uh, someone who had, um, opened up someone's, <laughs> opened up someone's neck during a match. And that is of course what happened 
to David Arquette. And then I was like, oh my gosh, it, it actually is Nick Cage. They're actually doing this. And then, of course, it was Nick Boykin. Gage came out with his pizza cutter. Labor number two for Jericho. It's Nick Gage. Let's talk about this now. <laughs> um, I'm so excited for this. Okay. You know that I think I properly conveyed this when they were doing the exploding barbed wire death match between Kenny and John Moxley that I really like violence and extreme violence. So I'm not put off by anything. And Dave Meltzer, if you're watching, this is a woman viewer that will not be driven off by violence because I was just listening to him for radio. And he, like, I love Uncle Dave. Well, I respect Uncle Dave, but he needs to stop saying this stuff about how violence drives off female viewers. I don't think you have surveyed enough women to make that statement, Dave, really. And it really, really, really bugs me as a woman that loves wrestling and especially loves the more violent wrestling. Like I you know, was watching ECW when I was way too young to be watching ECW. Um, I've got sidetracked again on this, but I just have to say it annoys me that that is the point that Meltzer keeps bringing up because you know what, if we get a real ratings drop, um, next week on Dynamite, if we get a ratings drop during this main event, then the narrative can be pushed that it's these female viewers have been driven away. Let's blame the women. Stop saying that, Dave. You, you, honest to God, you do not know enough women for that to be, for you to make that statement that we are dri being driven off by violence. It's not a fair statement. And I've had more men tell me, especially when they were doing the exploding barbed wire death match, more men told me that they were put off by the idea of this match than a woman ever said. So please, please stop. Anyway, I am so glad that Nick Gage is finally coming to AEW. And what I think is so brilliant about it is there was, of course, the period when a lot of people were saying like, bring Nick Gage, bring Nick Gage, do it, do it. Like, don't, don't be scared, sign Nick Gage. And people were saying they'll, they'll never uh, put Nick Gage on national TV because of this, because of that, like the history that he has. We had a dark side of the ring all about Nick Gage, which Jericho narrated. And hopefully they can put that in. And I hope they make a road to about this where like they can mention these little things for people that don't know and check out the dark side of the ring and Nick Gage he is a is a it's an interesting story it's a wild ride but so we don't get Nick Gage coming in to say be one of Cody's uh, challengers when he was doing the open challenge remember when we got Eddie Kingston we don't have him come in to have a match with Eddie Kingston say or a John Moxley or a Darby Allen he is coming in to face legendary Chris Jericho, it is not the person that you would have expected for Nick Gage to make his Dynamite debut against, but it's what we're getting, and it's amazing. And he is brought in by MJF, which makes it extra cool as well, because MJF, the whole character that he exudes, the wealth, the money, the standing, the like, I'm better than you, I'm too good for you, all this, it's like the opposite of like the darn dirty Nick Gage. It is just such great booking. I am so excited for this match. They are going to, it is going to be a very hard match, I think, to book because when you say that you're getting Nick Gage, I think people are expecting something really, really extreme and it's going to be interesting to see what lens that they'll go to. But if anyone can pull it off, it's of course Chris Jericho. And I am so excited for this match. Let me see what you guys are saying he'll have I admittedly never heard of Nick Gage until I saw his interview with Chris Van Vila. Yeah, um, uh, watch that interview, um, guys. That's a really, really good one if you don't know much about him. Um, I'm going to be doing a little thing this week as well on my podcast. If you don't know a lot about Nick Gage, I'm going to um, do a little special um, episode kind of into like, you know, what you need to know type thing. I'm just just, you know, because we're finally getting him uh, on Dynamite. Um, Abhinav doesn't know about him. What's the hype around him? I'll put it out there. Like, <laughs> he's not a great wrestler. He's not. He is not Brian, Brian Donaldson. Uh, he is a very violent deathmatch guy. And it's just kind of the, the aura that has about that he has about him. He's kind of like a deathmatch indie, like, folk hero almost it's um you know it, he's gone through a lot of real life stuff it's he's it's more like the persona like idea of Nick Gage then he's like he's not coming to have a technically great match he's he's it's just destruction um 
uh, if you want to know more um, about what his match with David Arquette, with what happened with David Arquette's neck, um, on my YouTube channel is an interview that I did with David Arquette where I did ask him about that match. It's really interesting to hear David Arquette uh, talk about this. Um, Maddie says, MDK all effing day. Um, McCaff says, Denise Salcedo loves blood and guts too. Yeah, um, yeah, she does. And, um, you know, I love Denise very much. And yeah, they're proving that women are not hiding behind their sofa every time there's a little bit of blood on wrestling because, you know, women have seen blood before in their lives. You may not believe it, but yeah. Uh, Redmond Survivor says, Dave is way off in that opinion. There are so many women that are into gory horror movies too. Yeah, absolutely, because women can be into absolutely everything. Bill's Mafia says, Uncle Dave is a bad take sometimes, especially with women. <laughs> I feel like I proper called out Meltzer in this. Uh, wasn't exactly what I was telling to, uh, intending to do, but I just do want to get that message across that, like, please stop making generalizations when it comes, especially when it comes to women, because as soon as a generalization is made about women, the narrative will absolutely be that women are in some way learning something that men love, and it's just not true. <laughs> um, Bill's Mafia says, I legit popped so hard when he said this person robbed a bank without him back. Yep. Um, Hail Hydra, I wonder if Gage Jericho will be as bloody as Omega Callahan. Yeah, it could very well be. It could very well be. Um, Redmond Survivor, Nick Gage is a one-off like Jeff Cobb works well. Yeah, absolutely. Remember when we've had a mercenary brought in to AEW before. Um, Bill's Mafia, do we think Max interferes to help Jericho next week, not sure Tony Khan would promote a GCW feud. Um, oh, Mox, sorry, interferes to help Jericho next week. Not sure TK would promote a GCW feud on TNT. No, I, I do not see um, John Moxley interfering to help uh, Jericho next week. you got to keep that separate, what Nick Gage is doing with, with Moxley um, over on GCW. It can't, it can't bleed into the AEW thing because... Jericho and Moxley are not connected in, in storyline in any way. Oh, a big hello to RevPost. Harry. Hey, Harry. Um, I saw Harry at the weekend when we did our RevPo show in Bristol. Check out that show, RevPo On Demand. Um, Mikas said, uh, Cardona Gage this weekend. Well, I think that's what he meant to say. Yeah, Nick Gage is fighting uh, Matt Cardona this, um, this, this weekend uh, in GCW. That's a really cool feud that's been uh, brought up, uh, built up online. Um, you know, Hadra says, good example. I have far more female friends who like sports than male friends. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, thank you to everyone in the chat that ha that is supporting me for the comments that I have made on, on Dave's comments. It's really nice to see you there. Uh, really, really do appreciate all of you. Uh, Hail Hadra also says, I hope that Archer isn't a one-week transitional champion. Yeah, we will We will get to Lance Archer very soon. Up next, we had a brief video um, about Miro. Miro is going to be back in action when Dynamite returns to its daily's place home. Next up, we have Doc Gallows, who defeated Frankie Kazarian, the elite hunter. Um, we had Carl Anderson tried to get involved um, uh, in this match. Um, he was taken out, but the distraction was enough for Gallows to hit a right hand and a stood-out tree stomp for the win. After the match, Anderson attacked. The Good Brothers hit Kazarian with a magic killer. Kenny Omega's music played. He walked out with Don Callis. He said attacking Kazarian was a message. This is what happens when you mess with the Elite. Omega said that Kazarian had been a thorn in their side for months. The Elite Hunter has become... The Elite hunted, and then Hangman's music played. He came up with a beer in hand, acting a little bit drunk, or as I like to call it, higgledy-piggledy. Um, and Callis pointed out that the Elite have a 4-1 numbers advantage, as if Page was stupid or drunk. Page uh, just hit, struck immediately, but he was taken out by the Good Brothers. The Dark Order ran out to even the odds, and Page hit a buckshot lariat on Carl Anderson. First thing I want to say before we get into the aftermath, is I was really sad that Frankie Kazarian got, got beaten. I loved the Elite Hunter storyline. I loved him just popping out of nowhere. It was a great little, it wasn't, you know, the main storyline, the main feud, but it was a great little thing kind of going on in the background. Uh, I loved it. And I said, weeks and weeks ago, I remember <laughs> doing a spirited rant on this show saying that they better give Frankie something big, from this, that this better not be something that just, you know, he just loses the match. This felt like it, especially because of the beatdown at the end, the way, the way they were holding him. 
I was not a fan of what happened to Frankie here. I really, really wasn't. I wanted to see the whole Frankie Kazarian thing be built up in something more. So that made me sad. However, once we got to Hangman coming out, that was another great, great beat in the Hangman page. Kenny Omega storyline, they still haven't touched yet. I loved him coming out with the beer. Um, I loved him kind of like playing that he's drunk, but then no, he's not. Uh, it was really, really good. And um, another great segment, but I feel for Frankie Kazarian. I really do. And I hope he keeps being the elite hunter. If I was Frankie Kazarian's friend, I'd be like, don't be, don't be put off Frankie by the fact that you, <laughs> that you lost here. Keep, keep being the elite hunter, please. It was so good. But yeah. So uh, Bill's Mafia says, seems like they wanted to give Good Brothers a win before they are both pinned next week. Yeah, maybe, but he's just not the frankie's just not the person that we've uh, given given a win to redmond survivor it says i personally have no interest in a gallo singles match give me more serena deep and less good brothers Woo, hot take um a gal gallows gallows is not for the singles matches okay if it's one of the good brothers you got to put in a singles match it should be carl anderson and yeah more serena deep would always be a really good thing um he'll have frankie needs someone alongside him he was doing so well though just being elite hunter by himself i loved it like lone wolf anyway moving on a teen taz video uh, played where Taz said he was proud of Ricky Starks for winning the FTW Championship. Starks said that they'd have a championship celebration the following week. Awesome. I really hope Hook wears a party hat for that. Um, and then Brian Cage was interview interviewed. He said he hopes the celebration works out because he loves the celebration. Um, all I can say on this is it's going to be odd seeing Brian Cage solo. Um, I feel like he's kind of a guy that maybe needs someone to promo for him, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I'll see how, how he does and what happens next in this Brian Cage and Team Town saga. Always, I am anticipating the debut of Hook. Next, Darby Allen with Daddy Sting defeated Wheeler Utah, who is being helped out by um, Orange Cassidy and the best friends. We had Darby having taped ribs after last week's coffin match with Ethan Page. There was some uh, chain wrestling at the start. This is when we first got our shot at Hikaleo in the crowd. I will talk more about Hikaleo later. Um, this this match was not about the match. It was about a spot that happened outside the ring when Sting and Orange Cassidy faced off and did some of Orange Cassidy's stick together, little uh, shin kicks going in there. Sting is game for anything. I love that man. He is game for anything. Um, anyway, Yuta tried to take advantage with the cradle, but Alan hit a stunner and the coffin dropped for the quick win. Um, after the match, Orange Cassidy was attacked by the blade with brass knuckles. Uh, they're having a match later tonight. This is a match was not was nothing, and I feel like because it was nothing, and because Darby literally ended last week's Dynamite having an iconic moment, having to like put it in your opening iconic iconic moment. It felt kind of weird to see him out here just in this nothing match against a guy that like we're not too familiar with. Um, and then I think what kind of made the perception of things here worse was the fact that you had that spot between Orange Cassidy and Sting and that's kind of what everyone's focused on and this guy that was in such a big spot last week really felt kind of overshadowed here so I would not have put Darby in this position I think that um there's plenty of other guys that you could have put in this rather than than Darby Allen if you wanted to do the the spot with um between Sting and and well, no, you couldn't have done, there's plenty of other guys you could have given a spot to, to face, well, Willow, Utah, then, then Darby Allen. Um, let me see what anyone is saying about that. Um, Hale Hadjog, probably in the minority and not a fan of Sting's return, and the exchange with Darby wasn't funny and takes away from uh, Darby. The exchange with Orange, I guess, you mean, wasn't funny and takes away from Darby. I thought it took away from Darby, but everyone knows I love, I love Sting's return, and I love him with Darby. Um, then he adds, maybe Darby one day turns on Sting because he perceives Sting stealing the spotlight. Um, I don't know what's going to happen between Darby and Sting. I do know that if one of them turns on the other, I'd be super, super sad. I, I can't imagine either of them turning, though, because I think they're both career baby faces, really. Like, that's how they both feel to me. Sting should always be a baby face. Uh, I, I've 
never been as big a fan of Sting when he's not a baby face. And I think that Darby's a baby face guy as well. So we'll see how things play out further down the line between these two. But right now, I just love the little father-son combo. I'm absolutely not sick of it or anything like that yet because I love, I, I've loved Sting since I was a child. So just seeing him in AEW uh, warms my heart every single week. Excuse me. Uh, next, we have um, a video package that recapped John Moxley and Lance Archer's previous matches. Then we had an AEW Women's Championship match, Dr. Britt Baker against Nyla Rose in Dr. Britt Baker's first de um, defense of her championship. This match was not great, I have to say, and I'm disappointed to say that. I, I also thought I would have shaved at least five minutes of this. Uh, some of the notable spots here, uh, we had um, early on, she was a, um, attacking Rose's uh, left arm, Baker. Uh, Rose, at one point, she got a choke slam for two. Baker got a crucifix bomb for two, then rolled up Rose for two again, following it with two curb stomps and another near fall. Then we had this Eddie Guerrero spot where Rebel distracted the official, tossed the belt to Britt Baker, who then did the Eddie Guerrero thing, where she tossed the back belt to Nyla Rose to make it look like Nyla was the one that used the belt, but then Nyla put it back to Britt. Um, then Nyla hit the beast bomb. That was a close near fall. Then um, she went for another beast bomb, but Baker countered and floated over into the lockjaw, for, forcing Nyla Rose to submit. I think Redmond Survivor has the uh, best comment here. This match was helped by the crowd being hot for it, but it was sloppy in parts. Britt and Nyla just didn't click with each other. No, I don't think these these two have chemistry. Um, I don't think this storyline was, was that well built up um, either. And I think that I've said it before, but, but Nyla did feel like, a, to talk about Daniel Bryan again, like a Kane style challenger for, for Britt Baker, just just a, a heel that was almost generic in a way. What did help it, though, of course, as Redmond says, was that um, the crowd. The crowd loved Britt. Of course, she's meant to be a heel, but the crowd loved her. And it was the crowd that carried this match along that made it, made it feel hot, even when we weren't seeing the best action in the ring. Um, Bills Mafia says, it looked like she got knocked loopy with, uh, like with Sheeta at double nothing. Um, uh, uh, things got better at the end, but their tournament match was way better. Yeah, it was. Uh, Julian, hello Julian, says it was funny that Vicky at Eddie Guerrero, the Eddie Guerrero spot. <laughs> that, that was a funny spot. That was a funny spot. And if you're going to have Vicky Guerrero, uh, you might as well do little spots like this that the people, you know, that know her connection to Eddie um, can can get a laugh out of uh, Redmond Survivor. It was a weird move having a heel like Nyla be the first challenger. Um, I feel like it should have been Red Velvet or maybe Ty Conte. Yeah, I think if you put a strong baby face up against Brit, it might be better to see how the crowd will react to her when she's got a strong baby face against her because we all we all love Brit. We love her, but we're not meant to be cheering for her. And unfortunately, with the opponent that you gave her, Nyla Rose, Everyone is just going to cheer for Brit in that situation. Um, I have been seeing a lot of you have been commenting on the other big, big news this week. That it, that is Thunder Rosa, my girl, my favorite, favorite female wrestler, um, is all officially all elite. It is incredibly great news. Um, I'm just trying to like scroll up and see some of the old comments about it here. Pro Wrestling Outsider, they also sent Thunder Rosa. They bought out her, um, bought her out her, of her NWA contract. I guess she's soon going to challenge Britt for the title. Yeah, I think she should be Britt's first big challenger. Like, let's get a really good program going here between Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker because they will have excellent matches. A Redman Survivor here said that Thunder Rosa should have had a match instead of this one. Um, he was referring to the Darby Allen um, Yuna match uh, with it being in Texas where she lives. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see a proper, proper program between Thunder Rosa, um, and Britt Baker now that Thunder Rosa is officially all elite, uh, Redmond Survivor as well. They better start using Thunder Rosa and Diamond regularly now. They need more women's stories on TV. It's AEW's one major flaw, in my opinion. It is their one major flaw, um, to be honest. They, they don't do more than one women's storyline. I think they've had quite a few opportunities to build up good women's storylines that they haven't used. And I think that when they start the, show, the Rampage show, they get an extra hour of television. That's starting on August the 13th. I hope that we see more women 
uh, getting storylines in AEW. Jillian, uh, I think Ty Conte versus Britt will be a big match in the fall. I think so too, Jillian. Um, I'm really high on Ty Conte. Uh, she had a really nice little run back when Sheeta was champion. I would love to see her challenge. I would also love to see Chris Statlander challenge. Uh, Bills Mafia says Statlander is undefeated this year. She might be the Britsburg opponent. Yeah, we're going to get a big show. Um, they're doing show, two shows in Pittsburgh in August. I'm sure they will be built around uh, Britt Baker because... Yeah, she's uh, the hometown girl. Uh, next, we had this press conference. I thought it was kind of weird slash badly edited between FTR and Santana or Ortiz. Um, their match is next week, though, happening in North Carolina. That's going to be huge. I can't wait for this match. I think that's going to be really, really good match. Two um, great, great teams uh, against each other there. Then we had Andrade. Andrade was brought up by Tony Schiavone. He has a surprise for everyone. He's finally revealing his surprise. If you remember a couple weeks ago, he was like, hey, everyone, I have a surprise. And then he was interrupted by Matt Seidel. He's like, okay, I'm not telling you my surprise. Uh, and then we didn't hear about it. We heard about it tonight. Tony Schiavone introduced Andrade's new executive consultant, who is Chavo Guerrero. Chavo said AW is the place to be, but with all due respect, he doesn't see anybody with as much talent as Andrade. Then Death Triangle's music hit. All three came out. Yes, Pac is back. Um, Alex Abriantes was there as well. Pac said they heard Andrade bring him up last week. The Death Triangle hides from nobody. Andrade thanked them for coming. Um, Andrade uh, spoke in Spanish, and then Chavo translated for Pac. The Death Triangle is all talented. They should be holding championship. They want to change that. Listen to Andrade. One question, Andrade said, why do you work for Pac? Why not work for Andrade El Idolo? Pac said that Pedro and Phoenix don't work for him. The Death Triangle are family. Phoenix said they were the real faces of Latinos. P uh, Penta said something. Um, and Alex translated, Penta says, why would we want to leave to join a group when you are not even on our level? The Death Triangle rushed the ring. Andrade told them to relax. And the referee came out to separate them. So, Chavo Guerrero is our, our new executive and consultant for Andrade. Um, is this a better move than pairing him with Vicky Guerrero? Yes, it makes. Yes. Okay, it is better than pairing him with Vicky. It is still not not what I have done would have done at all. No disrespect to Chavo. I would not have put him in in this spot. I certainly wouldn't have put Vicky in it. Uh, I'm not sure Chavo's that many levels better. Uh, however, a lot of you are excited about it. Uh, I know that. So I'm, I'm out on my own here. Maybe he'll hide just as the true AW signing of the week. Chavo. <laughs> uh, Redmond Survivor says, are we going to get Death Triangle versus Andrade, Rush and Dragon Lee? Uh, they are all very good friends um, of Andrade's Rush and Dragon Lee. Um, given that with them being with Ring of Honor, I, I'm not sure I see that happening. Julian says they have so many managers, a few too many. Uh, Bill's Mafia, I thought Lucha Brothers were going to deck Pac when he stepped forward. Um, Redmond Survivor, I love that they let guys speak in Spanish. I love that they let guys speak in Spanish as well. Um, I'm not high on Alex Abriantes being um, with Death Triangle either. I would rather they basically pretend that Pac can translate than have um, Abriantes out there. I just don't think he fits the... the the look of the group. I think he kind of brings the cool points down like a little bit too much. Uh, Gerald Andrews says Andrade might open that forbidden door to RH and get LFI versus Dreth Triangle. Uh, Hail Hydra. I also expected the Lucha Brothers to turn pack um, on the way to the ring. I was hoping that they didn't because I, I really love the pack and the Lucha Brothers uh, combo. Redman Survivor. Chavo as a manager, I can take relief, but he has a great pickup as a backstage producer. He got huge praise for his work on Lucha Underground and Glow. Yeah, uh, Chavo is absolutely an asset to any company. He's He's been around for so long and he has got very, very good experience. It'd be interesting to see what his full full role in AW is, whether it's just on screen or if they haven't been anything else backstage. Um, we saw a fight from earlier that night between the Hardy, Hardy family office with Jurassic Express and Christian Cage. They cut to Christian and Jurassic Express backstage. Christian suggested he team with Jurassic Express against Angelico and Private Party next week. Um, I was really hoping that we'd see the end of any interaction between Christian and, and Matt Hardy after the match last week, but the storyline must continue. Another thing that must continue is QT Marshall, who is with Alex Marvez. He said next week he'd apologize for dumping a protein shake over Tony Schiavone's head. 
Um, back to the ring, Orange Cassidy versus the Blade with the Bunny. Um, during this match, we saw the Bunny trying to get involved. Chris Statlander stopped her. Orange went to hit the Blade with a tope, but Blade pulled Statlander in the way. Orange then pushed Blade into Bunny back into the ring. Blade caught a satellite DDT and dropped Orange over the top rope. A running lariat, spinning tombstone pile driver for two. Blade went for the Dr. Bomb, but Orange fought out and hit the beach break for two. Bunny distracted the official and tossed the brass knuckles to Blade, but Orange avoided the strike and hit the Orange punch for a win. After the match, Orange grabbed the brass knuckles and hit another Orange punch on Blade. Um... I just, I'm not very into this um, feud between the Butcher, the Blade, the Bunny, Orange Cassidy, and, and Chris Statlander, and the best friend. I just feel that when it comes to Orange Cassidy, you know, we know his character. His character is this guy that doesn't really talk. Except when I interview him, if you want to go watch that on YouTube, cheap plug, I am sorry. But we know what his character is like. And um, that laid backness. It's like the, the personality on, on purpose has to be dragged out of him. And that's why it's great that he has the best friends with him because they're so talkative. And when we saw a Chris Jericho feud with Orange Cassidy, he really got the best out of Orange Cassidy and what you can get out of that character. And I feel like the Butcher and the Blade are just, they're, they don't have the level of charisma, fan engagement, name value anything needed to work a program with Orange Cassidy. I just don't think they were the right opponents. Um, I can see why they're doing it because the Butcher and the Blade have the bunny. Um, we have Chris Statlander in the group. <clears throat> but I think that Chris Statlander should be used in, in a better way than just being a part of this feud that her male friends happen to be in. It's, it's just not the most engaging thing that I've seen Orange Cassidy, the best friend of Chris Statlander, do and um, best friends. Orange Cassidy and Chris are some of my favorite people in, in AEW, but I can't say that I've ever been into this feud, and I'm not sure anyone else is like that high on it either because it's a feud that I just don't really hear talked about ever, even when we are recapping what's uh, happened on Dynamite. So, moving on, moving on to something that made me really, really happy because I nearly spilt my drink earlier in the night and I nearly spilt it again because we had Chris Jericho backstage being asked about his match next week with Nick Gage. Jericho's back was to the camera and he said he would be bringing the most violent and demented version of himself next week, the pain maker, and he turned around to reveal that he had the makeup on. Yes, he went and put his makeup on after Nick Gage showed up. I, I could not be happier. The um, pain maker version of Jericho is my probably second favorite version of Jericho. My first being WCW, like uh, conspiracy theory, cruiserweight champion Jericho. Uh, but I love the pain maker. I love the pain maker look. I love the pain maker makeup. It, so him bringing this back to to face Nick Gage is so, so cool. And, you know, he he kept the kind of pain maker look before he properly found the, the um, Le Champion uh, Jericho that we saw, that we've been seeing in, in AEW in the, in the Inner Circle before his face turn. And it was just, I'm so happy the Paymaker is coming back. Like I can't express in any other way. Um, it's it's so cool. You know, there are many great great faces of Jericho, eras of Jericho, and it's nice that he has this to like pull out of the hat, so to say, uh, when he gets a different opponent, someone like Nick Gage. It it is so cool, so so cool. Um, I loved it. I I absolutely loved it. I can't say anything more than that. I'm going to be so excited next week. <laughs> Uh, moving on to our main event. It was a Texas death match between Lance Archer and John Moxley for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. Uh, no disqualification. Last man standing rules. Immediately we saw a kendo stick. Then in a while they fought up the stands into the crowd. Moxley with left off structure struck Archer. Archer just struggled it off. He used a planted fan as a weapon. Yes, a human being was used as a weapon. Uh, in this match. Back in the ring, Archer cut off a top rope suicida with a forearm. Uh, he exposed the concrete floor. Moxley fought off um, 
flood out of a hole planted archer with a paradigm shift. Archer was busted open. Moxley produced a fork and forked him up, stabbing Archer in the face. Archer set up some chairs. He went to hit a blackout through them. Moxley fought fought out, hit a low blow. Archer popped up, chokes on Moxley through the chairs. Moxley made it to an eight count, counted a running attack with a big larry, followed by a paradigm shift. Archer popped out at four, flipped off Moxley, but Moxley stabbed Archer's head with a fork again. He produced some barbed wire boards then, propped them up on the tables outside. Moxley went through a paradigm shift through the boards and tables, uh, which is how he originally won the title. Archer fought out using the fork and chokes on Moxley through the tables. Moxley couldn't make it up to the 10 count and Archer won the championship. New IWGP United States Championship. The title changed hands on Dynamite. You thought that becoming a dad was going to make John Moxley be um, a more careful, less violent wrestler. You were wrong. You were wrong. John Moxley did not um, welcome a baby girl and say, hey, Dave Meltzer told me that girls don't like blood, so I'm not going to be violent anymore. He did not do that. He has continued to be the Moxley that we know and love. This is a fantastic, fantastic match, I thought. Such a cool ending. Um, and I, I really feel like this was the most that I feel that this New Japan AEW relationship is connected. Like, they're connecting and real and um, back and forth because their championship has changed hands on a dynamite. Uh, very happy for Lance Archer. I've always felt like Lance really hasn't been given enough to do. Uh, and now him having this title means that he's always going to have something to do because people are always going to challenge him. Uh, I know earlier in the chat, I forgot who said it. I'm sorry. He says that they hope that um, Archer isn't like a one week transitional champion. Um, I hope so too. Side note, I, what I actually think should happen is somebody should be sent over from Japan, maybe Minoru Suzuki or Ishii, to take the Neverweight Open Championship off Jay White. And Jay White should be the one in about a month or so to take the United States Championship off John Moxley, or Lance Archer, sorry. And Jay White can literally stay in the US and be like the proper New Japan guy representative holding that title, taking on challengers from whether it be AEW, Impact, New Japan, uh, whatever. But really great match. We saw uh, Hikaleo in the audience. Uh, he's, of course, the son of Haku. Uh, Hikaleo, I do know from Rev Pro, um, and he also, um, I, I spent some time with him before that as well. Uh, really great guy, super tall. Super, super tall. I have to dig out the photo of um, me next to Hikaleo because I don't know if you know guys, but I'm really small. I am uh, like five foot one. So me next to Hikaleo, Hikaleo is absolutely the tallest man I have ever met. And I've met Drew McIntyre, Tyson Fury, and some other very tall men as well. But Hikaleo's, he dwarfed Lance Archer at the end. And I think it's just super cool that they're giving this spot to Hikaleo. Like, you know, you have, he is, um, he's been on New Japan Strong, of course. Um, he's been on Rev Pro, but he hasn't had, like, huge exposure. And instead of just sending, you know, random people that everybody knows to take on Lance Archer in New Japan, are like, guys, we have this opportunity, Dynamite, national television, let's build up a new guy. And the new guy that they've chosen is Hikaleo. That's really, really cool. I hope to see him um, on Impact alongside Jay White, because of course, Switchblade is on Impact now. Uh, yes, that was an interesting thing for me to find out on a Sunday morning, but anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love this match. Uh, congratulations to Lance Archer, very uh, nice to see him getting that belt back. Uh, John Moxley, you were a great champion. Obviously, stuff happened that meant you couldn't defend it as much as you wanted to, but it was it was cool while it lasted. And this New Japan AEW relationship is getting even better because at the end of the day, as much as we might want Kenny Omega versus Kota Ibushi, as much as we might want Okada versus Kenny Omega, stuff like that, that can happen one day. That, that's a dream. But it is nice to see these guys that are a little lower down the card mix it up as well. It's really, 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 really cool. And this is a dynamite where Nick Gage appeared. And 
the IWGP United States Championship changed hands. Hikaleo appeared. Anything can happen. If we don't know it by now, anything can happen in AEW and on Dynamite. And that's what makes it so good. Uh, let's have a look at what you guys are saying. Uh, Redmond Survivor says, just says goth dad. Uh, let me let me know who you're talking about um, because there, I have a lot of goth daddies, so I can't be can't be certain exactly who you're referring to there. Uh, could could be Sting, <laughs> could be Moxley, could even in a way be Darby Allen. Um, next, uh, Bill's Mafia says this match ruled so hard. Yep, it did. Julian says, oh yeah, that mid event was effing awesome. Um, uh, Bills and Mafia says, I love how Mox played the heel letting Lance fight from underneath as a hometown hero. Indeed, hey, that is something WWE or AW is really good at. The WWE is not good at like hometown guy, let them win a match. You know, let it, it's such easy booking, let a hometown guy win. And uh, Wasabi King says, unexpected Archer win, but I'm glad he won. I have to say, it was totally unexpected for me too. Wasabi King, I when the when the finish happened, I was like, really really but very very good um uh julian says the end the njpw and aw relationship is stronger than i thought it was proven after this title change this may open the the door wide open for danielson indeed um and as has been reported a big reason why brian danielson has made this decision to be a part of aew is because he knows that he's going to get to do all the things he wants to do like go to japan go to mexico whatever and that's that's what's so great and what a time what a time to be a wrestling fan redmond survivor says that a hickle i've just seen your other comment man i'm going to read it out has said that a hickleo towered over archer which says a lot it, it does that the guy is huge what can i say he's absolutely absolutely huge um jillian what do you think will be the u.s title match at the la coliseum for the new japan show oh that's a really good question mm, i'm not sure i'm not sure who hmm that's hard jay white <laughs> but no, he already has just not Joe White. <laughs> Getting to do double duty. Um Marks and you Marks could get a rematch or they could bring someone over from Japan. Um they have enough time. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, now who is the challenger there. Uh Revan Survivor says that the goth daddy comment was for Jericho's pain maker. <laughs> Thank you for clearing that up. Um Next week's Dynamite Fight for the Fallen. No disqualification. Chris Jericho versus Nick Gage. FTR versus Santana and Ortiz. Christian Cage and Jurassic Express versus Private Party and Angelico. IWGP US Heavyweight Championship match. Uh, it is Lance Archer versus Hikaleo. Um, then we also have the elimination tag, the elite, Kenny Omega, Young Bucks, and Good Brothers versus Hangman Page and Dark Order, Evil Owners, Stu Grayson, John Silver returning to the ring, and Alex Reynolds. Tony Khan will announce a major new live event. What could that be? What could that be? I think it's going to be them doing something on the West Coast because they haven't really booked anything for there. If it's a UK show, my mind will be blown, but... And then in two weeks for AW Homecoming, Miro will have a match on that show. And Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black. I think it's going to be a little farewell to Cody Rhodes, who is uh, going to be filming the Go Big show. Um, Bills Mafia said it. I was about to say it, but he said it. Uh, next week is stacked. It is absolutely stacked. Uh, Redman Survivor agrees, but there is no women's match announced yet. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Thunder Rosa versus anyone. Just put her on the show. Like, you've now properly signed her. Please make a big deal of the fact that you've signed her because she's that amazing. She's the best uh, women's wrestler in the world. So put her on the show. Um, Bills Mafia says this is the making of an all-time show for AW. I agree. Redmond Survivor, AW UK show, please. Yes, please. You, you guys know that when the when Kenny and Sting, Jungle Boy and Britt Baker are doing Comic Con over in UK, that is actually on my birthday. And just just putting that out there. Oh, Redmond says there's a bunch of AW talent in UK in November for Comic Con, so maybe yeah, on my birthday, Miss Dynamite Day, they're coming to the UK. Um, so that is it. 
Uh, Jillian says that the announcement could be the Jericho Cruise Dynamite from the boat. Yeah, uh, that would be really cool. I hope that they, they do do a Dynamite from the boat. But that is all. That is all for a huge edition of AW Weekly this week. We had news about Daniel Bryan. We had news about CM Punk. We had an amazing Dynamite. Nick Gage is doing a match in the Dynamite. Painmaker Chris Jericho is, is back. I called out Dave Meltzer. What a show it's been. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining me. Really, really great chat today. And I saw a lot of new faces. And um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. AEW is going is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger in the next couple of months. Um, if all the news rumors are true, if they keep keeping up the standard of the great shows that they've been putting on, which I know they will, which... Hopefully means, you know what, that AEW Weekly will get bigger as well. So thank you guys so much for your support. Uh, love you all. Remember, if you want to listen to this, if you don't want to see my face, uh, you can download the podcast and, <laughs> um, and listen there. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast and my channel here on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter, at Stephanie M. Chase, and on Instagram. I'm off to a wedding tomorrow. I should have some nice, nice girl picks up there. <laughs> but yeah, um, thank you guys so, so much. Um, thank you, Heal Hydra. Thank you to Julian. Thank you to Bill's Mafia channel member, uh, Redmond Survivor, everybody uh, today. It was a really great show. And I will see you next week. Bye.